Good morning, church. Good to have you guys join us this morning. Just thank you so much for your patience as we uh, continue to um, do this live stream thing and as we are trying to open the doors as well for to bring you guys back on Sunday mornings. And um, there's a lot that actually goes into it. Kelly's been working um, like crazy, just researching a lot of technology stuff and getting stuff set up in that other room. And uh, we want to make sure that when we go live that we are doing it well not only on video, because we're going to still have the live stream feed, but we also want to do it well for everybody that's gathering here. And so both things need to be done well. So we're just working hard on that, and it is coming soon. We're making progress, just waiting for some different technology aspects to come in, and uh, we'll get moving with that. Also, with um, having you guys come back, we have kind of an exciting donation to our church and Madden's Resort um, donated 215 nice cushion chairs um, that we'll be bringing into our large space um, soon and uh, they'll all be one color it's gonna be crazy I don't know it might be a shock to some of us but that will be just great to have and we're just so thankful that Madden's I mean they just gave gave them to us for free so uh, very cool and we had some volunteers come in yesterday and um, bring those in so looking forward to set those up with that the we are, you know, with opening this service, we're also still looking for volunteers, whether that's ushers or people to clean. Um, so if that is something that interests you, um, we'd love to hear from you. Put your name in the comments, or you can email Pastor Mike at mike.gary at communitaschurch.com. Um, and also, if you are looking to get on an email list or be part of the Wednesday morning prayer, um, that would be also a place to put your uh, name in the comments or email Mike. Um, that would be great, and we can get you connected with that. And as always, um, as we do our Sunday morning service, I hope you have your communion elements ready as we will be doing communion. And um, so get creative, find something in your cupboards for that, and, uh, and also offering. We've just been thankful how you guys have been giving. And, um, but if you would like to give, you can either do it online at communitaschurch.com, or you can mail checks to 824 Laurel Street, Brainerd, Minnesota. With that, I'm just going to pray, and uh, Sean's going to come back up and lead us into some more music. Uh, Jesus, I thank you for how good you are. Thank you for just even beautiful days like this, and uh, that we can go out and enjoy your creation. I thank you for all the people um, that are part of this body, that um, are just in prayer, that are serving, that are just with us this morning, gathering together as one body and worshiping you. Um, I look forward to the day that we can start to congregate back in this space and in one building, but it is so cool that we can even connect this way via technology, and thank you for that. You're good, God, and uh, help us as we hear from you, help us as we go through this new book of Leviticus, and um, just help grab hold of our hearts as we work through this. In your beautiful name, amen. Good morning. Thank you, Sean. Good morning. My name is Mike Gary. I am the pastor here at Communitas Church. And Communitas is a church that exists to love God and to love people and build disciples that walk in grace, that grow in their faith, 
And we do this by gathering in groups and exploring the way that the Lord has gifted us and then use those gifts to generously serve in and around the Brainerd Lakes area to make more disciples who love God and love people who would walk in grace, grow in faith by gathering in groups to explore their gifts and generously use those gifts to serve in and around the Brainerd Lakes area that make more disciples who love God and love people and participate in this rhythm of gathering together, growing together, that we would go together. And so we have expressed our worship to the Lord this morning in a number of different ways. Uh, just by gathering, taking the time to say, hey, this is a really weird season of life, and I really wish that we could all just be together, but we're going to do this on the internet. Uh, that we're going, okay, and maybe some of you are watching this later on today because you have buffering issues, or you live out kind of in the Thule's or whatever else. And uh, But we're taking that time to say it's, it's important because there's something that happens when we gather that doesn't happen when we don't. And so the fact that we say, yes, Lord, you are important enough and the body is important enough for us to join with the churches around the world to sing and acknowledge your praise. And we've worshipped through, um, uh, worshiped through giving of tithes and offerings. And uh, so people, I mean, we just appreciate the, the generosity and the consistency that you all have shown. And, and then we've worshipped through singing. Sean led us in a song, and, and he'll lead us again here at the end of the service, and uh, we'll do uh, the reading and the proclamation of the word, and before we, we do that, we're going to express our worship through communion. And so communion is this sacred meal, and so if you have been with us for the last few weeks, and if not, just as a way of review, we've been going through uh, the Torah, and so Genesis and, and Exodus, and now today we'll get into Leviticus, uh, but in Exodus, the Lord brings his people out of slavery in Egypt, and he says to them, he says, you are my treasured possession, and this is, this is kind of wedding covenant type language, and so this is, you know, if you're thinking, oh, treasured possession, this is a little bit, you know, mushy, this is, you're super important. And I, I value you greatly. And so this meal is, is, was celebrated by the nation of Israel for thousands of years. And then uh, the last time that Jesus was together with his disciples, they celebrated this meal together. And it was a reminder to, serve, to, to, to help them remember who they were and what they were to do in light of who God is and what God has done and continues to try to do in and through them. And that's show the world his glory. And so we celebrate what is called open communion, which means that you don't need to be a member of Communitas Church to celebrate with us. We would just ask that if you are a repentant believer, that you would partake. And uh, we've seen some pretty interesting elements. So as Nick said, if, uh, you know, basically a, a liquid and, and a solid. Uh, some, traditionally, this has been some uh, grape juice and, and some type of bread. And uh, so if you, have, don't, if you have those or don't have those uh, readily available, just get something that will help you to remember this and, and to partake. And so why do we do communion? Well, communion does two things. One, it reminds us individually of who we are, that we as followers of Christ have been welcomed into this family of God's treasured possessions. And that informs the way that we live our life. And so every week when we partake in this and when we participate, we join with the church around the world in acknowledging that Jesus is Lord. That there's no sacrifice, there's nothing that I can do to earn my salvation. It has to be given to me by Jesus and that his death on the cross is the, is the sufficient sacrifices is enough for me to be able to come to the Lord. 
And we also take this together to acknowledge that we're with one another. And it's a way to encourage the body and also to, to ask for some accountability and to say, hey, yeah, I'm with you and we're in this together. And so uh, if, if we, you know, we, we win and lose as a team and, and the Lord has, has called us to himself, and so we're going to encourage one another toward the Lord. And so it's an encouragement even in the room here with Kelly and Nick and Sean for me to remember, oh, yeah, that's right, we're not doing this alone. I'm with them, and then, and then also to for to remind us that yeah, if 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 one of us sees the other that you know not acting in a great way or not being who we've been called to be, we also have the responsibility to our spiritual community to say, hey, I just I don't see the way that you're living in line with what we see true life is in Scripture. Let's work toward that. And so we're going to take a few moments to reflect before we, we have communion. And we're going to ask a few different questions. And those questions are, who is God? And what has he done? And who is Jesus? And how did Jesus live his life? And how does that reflect the way that I live my life? And then who is God, the Holy Spirit? And how is the Holy Spirit working in and through me? And what are some specific names or faces or times and places where the Lord you know, just seems to be working in us and, and calling us to a specific time, to a specific people, to do something specific? And, uh, and in this time, the Lord may convict us of sin. We hope that he would confirm in us the things that we're doing that are good, all that we would better convey this gospel message to the world around us. And if you're tuning in and you're just like, hey, I just want to check out this church thing, and I'm not really sure about what communion is all about, we're glad that you're here. Uh, you're among a people that, that welcome you, and uh, this is a good place, and we'd love to have the conversation with you. And so we invite you to ask these questions as well and to sit and to reflect on who is God the Father and what has he done? And who is God the Son and how did Jesus live his life and how does that inform the way that I live my life? And then who is God the Holy Spirit and what is God the Holy Spirit trying to do in and through us as individuals and as a community that we would be convicted of our sin, confirmed in what we're doing that is good, that we would continue to do that, all that we would better convey the gospel to the world around us. And we pray that he would bring us specific names and faces and times and places in which to do that. So I'm going to pray, and we'll take a few moments. Sean will play some background music for us, and, and then I'll come back up and I'll read some words from Scripture, and then we will all partake of the meal together. So Heavenly Father, we praise you for what you've done. Uh, we see uh, your work throughout creation and, uh, and, and in the repair of this world. And Jesus, we see that uh, without you, that we are insufficient and, and that you bring wholeness and you inform what our life is to look like. And Holy Spirit, we thank you for your work in our lives. We know that there's no system, there's no new way of thought, there's no uh, you know, new lecture series, a podcast, or a, a self-help book that's going to bring us closer to you. These are all tools, but ultimately it's you who changes us. And so we pray that you would continue to convict us of our sin, confirm in us the things that we're doing that are good, that we would continue. And then would you bring specific names and faces or times and places where you are, you're, you're calling us and you're inviting us to be a part of what you're doing, the bringing of reconciliation and redemption to your world. And so we pray, Lord, that you would continue to speak to us in this time. The last time that... Jesus and his friends were together, they, they shared a meal. And I've always been struck by this. It, it's like, you know, it's the, if you know that it's the last time that you're going to be with your friends and that these friends are going to need to bring the message of hope and salvation to the entire world. Uh, you've got 12 
guys. And they're all sitting in this room. And you're going, okay, it's, it's you people that are going to bring this message to the world. You'd think that, like, maybe you'd say, hey, you know, um, remember these things. Or, you know, let's, let's go over, you know, this. And let's just make sure that we've got the doctrine right. I mean, it, it, is, that, is that kind of the, what we think? That maybe that would be what we would do? You know, what, Jesus, what does Jesus do? He brings them a meal. He shares this meal with them. And this meal is rooted in this, this kind of covenantal wedding language that says, you know, I'm, I'm going to go away, I'm going to prepare a place, and I'm going to come back for you because you are my treasured possession. You are the holy people. You are the ones who have been called to be different, to be holy, and to show the world around you what it means to be different by following me and listening to my spirit. And so we don't need to have another, you know, since we're not going to do lists because that Holy Spirit is going to dwell within you. And so as they're, they're gathering there, he, he takes the, the bread. And as they're eating it, he took it and he, he blesses it and he breaks it and he gives it to them and he says, take, this is my body. And as the script of the meal would go, as the, the, the meal lingered on, he took the cup, and when he gave it thanks, he gave it to them, he gave it to them, and they all drank, and he said to them, "This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly, I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the day that I drink it anew in the kingdom of God." Lord, we thank you for this covenant, for this invitation, this way of life that you have demonstrated and you prepare for us and Holy Spirit, we thank you that you have been left with us and that you dwell within us to guard and to guide and to lead and to develop us into who we've been created to be, into the image bearers of God that you've called us to be, into your treasured possession. Amen. Okay, so as, as I alluded to earlier, we start Leviticus today. And if you uh, don't have much experience in church, this is a book that... That, that seeks to kind of be a guide to the Old Testament priests so they understood uh, what it was. So if, just to kind of recap, so we went through Genesis and we spent some time in the book of, of Exodus and now we're in Leviticus and these are all part of a, th a five book story and they're all linked together to kind of show a specific narrative and highlight a specific part about who God is. And so Exodus talks about the Lord bringing his people out of Egypt and explaining to them more about who he is and about who they are and what he has done and what he's doing and what he's going to continue to do and what he's inviting them into and how he's saying, hey, we're going to do this mm -hmm. together. And there's a little bit of confusion there. So I'm like, okay, so what, what are some of the specifics? What are some of the ins and the outs? And we're going to get into that uh, for the next eight weeks going through the book of Leviticus and highlighting the way that the Lord says, hey, look, we're, I'm going to make it really easy. We're just going to, we're going to put it in writing Write it all down so you don't have to remember it all. And if you ever have questions, you can refer back to this. And so uh, Nick's going to come up and we're going to read uh, Leviticus 1. I think there's a couple different verses that we've got. Uh, I think there's maybe a slide for that. And, uh, but Leviticus 1 will be 1 through 7. We're going to highlight that today. And we're looking at these verses. Leviticus 1, 1 through 9, 2, uh, verses 1 through 3. Uh, chapter 3, 1 through 5. Chapter 4, 1 through 3, and then verses 13 through 15, and then also chapter 5, 14 through 17. He's going to highlight some of the different offerings. And if you're reading this and you're going, man, this sounds really weird, 
don't worry, we'll explain it all here in a moment. So, Nick, whenever you're ready. All right, Leviticus 1, 1 through 9. The Lord called Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When any one of you brings an offering to the Lord, you shall bring your offering of livestock from the herd or from the flock. If this offering is a burnt offering from the herd, he shall offer a male without blemish. He shall bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting, that he may be accepted before the Lord. He shall lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering, and it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. Then he shall kill the bull before the Lord, and Aaron's sons, the priests, shall bring the blood and throw the blood against the sides of the altar that is at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Then he shall flay the burnt offering and cut it into pieces, and the sons of Aaron, the priests, shall put fire on the altar and arrange wood on the fire. And Aaron's sons, the priests, shall arrange the pieces, the head and the fat, on the wood that is on the fire on the altar. But its entrails and its legs he shall wash with water, and the priest shall burn all of it on the altar, as a burnt offering, a food offering, with a, ple with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Chapter 2, 1-3 through three. When anyone brings a grain offering as an offering to the Lord, his offering shall be of fine flour. He shall pour oil on it and put frankincense on it, and bring it to Aaron's sons and priests. And he shall take from it a handful of the fine flour and oil with all of its frankincense, and the priest shall burn this as its memorial portion on the altar, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. But the rest of the grain offering shall be for Aaron and his sons. It is, most, it is a most holy part of the Lord's food offering. Chapter 3, 1 through 5. If his offering is a sacrifice of peace offering, if he offers an animal from the herd, male or female, he shall offer it without blemish before the Lord. And he shall lay his hand on the head of his offering and kill it at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And Aaron's sons, the priest, shall throw the blood against the sides of the altar. And from the sacrifice of the peace offering, as a food offering to the Lord, he shall offer the fat covering, the entrails, and all the fat that is on the entrails and the two kidneys with the fat that is on them at the loins, and the long lobe of the liver that he shall remove with the kidneys. Then Aaron's son shall burn it on the altar on top of the burnt offering, which is on the wood on the fire. It is a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Chapter 4, 1-3 through three. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, If anyone sins unintentionally in any of the Lord's commandments about things not to be done, and does any one of them, if it is the anointed priest who sins, thus bringing guilt on the people, then he shall offer for the sin that he has committed a bull from the herd without blemish to the Lord for a sin offering. Uh, chapter 4, 13 through 15. If the whole congregation of Israel sins unintentionally, and the, things, and the thing is hidden from the eyes of the assembly, and they do any one of the things that by the Lord's commandments ought not to be done, and they realize their guilt, when the sin which they have committed becomes known, the assembly shall offer a bull from the herd for a sin offering, and bring it in front of the tent of meeting. And the elders of the congregation shall lay their hands on the head of the bull before the Lord, and the bull shall be killed before the Lord. Chapter 5, 14-17 
The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, If anyone commits a breach of faith and sins unintentionally in any of the holy things of the Lord, he shall bring to the Lord as his compensation a ram without blemish out of the flock valued in silver shekels. According to the shekel of the sanctuary for a guilt offering, he shall also make restitution for what he has done amiss in the holy thing, and shall add a fifth to it and give it to the priest. And the priest shall make atonement for him with the ram of the guilt offering, and he shall be forgiven. If anyone sins doing any of the things that by the Lord's commandments ought not to be done, though he did not know it, though he did not know it, then realize his guilt, he shall bear his iniquity. Amen. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Lord, for your words that we're able to gather together to read them, to listen to them, to ponder them. Lord, we pray for your church around the world where that's not necessarily the case. Uh, We pray for those who do not have the Bible in their language and do not have the resources that we have in abundance. And Lord, we pray that we would use these, these resources, the gifts that we've been given um, not just to, to stock them up for ourselves, but Lord, help us to be generous. Help us to see what we have and, and to see what we can give, that we would aid in your glory. Amen. Okay, one, one moment here. So, um, I know a chainsaw is kind of a weird thing to, to talk about when you're talking about Leviticus, but uh, when I started working in Colorado, I showed up and they're like, hey, you're from Minnesota. Cool. Uh, you probably know how to work a chainsaw. I was like, well, yeah. Fair assumption. You're, you're not wrong. Uh, sure, let's, let's do that. And uh, they had a lot of trees that had been affected by a fire that had come through in, in previous years. And they were falling on the road a lot and, and falling around different things. And so we had to go and there was a lot of chainsaw work to be done. And they said, okay, well, why don't you uh, go ahead and just service the chainsaws and get everything ready and, uh, and, you know, teach everybody else how to cut down trees. And it's like, oh, all right, kind of a big responsibility. And, and the thing about a chainsaw is that, I mean, they're pretty awesome, uh, but they, they also have this, you know, every time I pick it up, every time I'm using it, I'm always kind of thinking like, this thing is really cool. I hope I don't die. I hope it doesn't hurt. I hope I don't, you know, really, really do something badly. Cause you know, if you drop a tree on, on something or someone, that's a bad day. Now, if your chain breaks and think, I mean, like there's, there's high reward, but also high risk with this. And, and so there's that, that tension of, man, this is awesome, and, and I hope it doesn't kill me. And, and that's a little bit, and I use that as an illustration to, just to help us to kind of get into the mindset of the people of Israel. Um, so they've been, they've been given freedom. They've been brought out of Exodus, or they've been brought out of, out of Egypt, and we read about that in the book of Exodus, and, and then the last part of Exodus is they're, they're setting up for the Lord to dwell among them in this tent. They're all, there's about, you know, anywhere from two to six million people that are living in this large tent city, and right in the middle is this tent called the Tabernacle, and within that tent is another smaller tent, and that's the Holy, of, that's the holy Place, and on the very back of that is the Holy of Holies, and then this cloud at the end of Exodus 40 comes in and covers that, and it's the presence of the Lord. Not even Moses can go in, and and so the, I mean, so I just want you to put yourself in that position, right? So uh, you've you've just imagined for a moment that you've been enslaved in Egypt, and you and your people for the previous four hundred years, all you know, system, uh, just you know, from everything you know, sociologically is, is based on this fact that you're a slave. 
now this god comes in and the and the ten great kind of gods in Egypt go head to head with with the Lord and and Yahweh comes up on top. He's 10 for 10 and 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 he brings you out of Egypt and parts the waters, brings you across on dry land, provides for you food, water, shelter, and 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 then a way of, of coming close to him. And and despite the fact that you've been disobedient, he's continued he continues to just to love and to be steadfast and now dwells among you. Might you want to know how to approach him? I mean, you're just like, okay, I saw what you did with Egypt. I mean, that, that was like the most powerful nation in the world. And I, I'm really glad that you're on my side. But I also recognize that uh, I don't really want to screw this up. I want to make sure that, like, you know, God, you and me, that we're cool. I want, I want to know that, like, this is going to work out okay and that I'm not going to end up, you know, like one of those, those plagues. I, I, that, that doesn't look like a whole lot of fun. Uh, how, how do I do that? You might have a lot of questions, much like, you know, for those of us when we, when we first come to the faith, there's, there's a lot of questions, right? It's like, man, what does this look like to navigate? How do, I, how do I come to know the Lord more? And so we see that as, as his treasured possession, he says, I'm, I'm calling you to be different. I know that you're going to have questions, and it's not just about looking different physically, but actually acting and being different Morally, I want you to walk in righteousness, and and I know now we go. Okay, well, if, if I have questions now, like what do I do? What do we, what do we do? Right? We we'll take our phone out, sit down on the computer, get the iPad out, Google it. You know, there's probably a YouTube tutorial. There wasn't YouTube in the ancient Near East thousands of years ago. What they had was the Book of Leviticus, and they had these priests that were going to sit down, and it was their job to just learn everything they could about the law of Moses. And remember that, I mean, we have the scriptures and I mean, this is, they're in the process of this being written down there as this is developing. They're there on the ground front lines trying to navigate this and figure this out. And so there's gonna be a lot of questions. And so the Lord's like, are we gonna make it really simple and we'll make it really detailed so that, you know, you're not gonna get lost in the various nuance. It's just gonna be written down for you. And if you're anything like me, I mean, so I'm pretty excited about this. Uh, I've had a lot of questions about Leviticus, and Leviticus is this book that every time I come back to it, I learn something more. Every time I sit down, I'm like, oh, now this thing that Jesus did made, made more sense to me. Um, and so maybe you sat down and you were listening to, to uh, Nick Reed, and you're kind of looking at your watch, and you're just like, how much longer are we going to be talking about things getting cut up and things being weird? This is kind of odd. Great question. Uh, not much more. And I, what I want to do is I want to explain some of what that is. Because I think, especially in, in our society where we don't necessarily, we've kind of moved away largely from, from the agrarian or farm nature. Uh, some of us have some experience, but some of us it's like, man, I, I, like, where does meat come from? Like Aldi, Costco, Cub, Super One, isn't that where we get meat? Um, and so what I want to do is take a little bit of time. I just want to go through the offerings. And what, what, do all, what all do they mean? And I want to explain a little bit about that, and then we'll get into how that's significant and, and why that's important. And so first, what is it? we look at uh, Leviticus 1, and he's talking about this burnt offering. This was an offering for favor. This was, if, if you pray, uh, and you've ever prayed a prayer about just like, Lord, just, just help me. Like, I, I just, you know, I want things to go well. That's, that's a prayer of favor. And so you'd, you'd, bring a, you'd bring a male uh, animal to buy by means. So depending on how much you had at your disposal, you'd just bring a meal by means, and that would be burned on the altar. 
as a, as a sacrifice, as a way of acknowledging uh, that you can't do this on your own. The sacrificial system, the whole, the tabernacle was meant to remind us that, you know, we have sinned, we, and, but we cannot do it on our own, but the Lord has made the way for us to, to be reconciled to him. And so the Lord has done it. And then it takes something outside of us uh, to be right with the Lord. And so this burnt offering is just like, hey, we're just, this is what it was for. It was, it was for favor, saying, Lord, like, I just, I want things to go well. And then we have the, the cereal offering, if, it, if it's helpful. Think cereal. Think grains. And uh, this was, these were common things. Um, it was, uh, it was something that was gleaned. It was readily available. I don't know if you're anything like me, but I think I have like five bags of cereal at my disposal at, at any one time. And, and so it wasn't meant to, to, to be taken lightly, but it was, it was readily available. It was something that, that, uh, that people had, and it was for thanks and goodwill. I mean, this was like a salted, unleavened cake. And that you'd, you'd sit down and, and you'd burn some for the Lord, and then it was also eaten by the priest. And so you're, you know, this sacrifice also made it so that, that the priest could eat. And then uh, we get a little further on, and, and he talks about uh, the, the peace offering. And this was for thanks and for fellowship. This was just saying, like, Lord, Lord, thanks. And I want to be with you. I want to be uh, you know, along with you. And this, this was a prayer for, for divine presence. The Lord would be with us. And, and this was my favorite. So it's, um, this is a male or female by me. And so depending on how much you had, that was what you brought. And, and then the fat was burned as an offering to the Lord. And then the rest is eaten with the priest. And so you actually sit down. And so if you came in, I mean, imagine this, right? So you've, you've been freed from, uh, from slavery in Egypt for just over a year. You probably have some questions about what does it look like to worship? How am I supposed to do this? What does daily life look like now that I don't have the Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world, crushing down upon me? How am I supposed to live my life in freedom? Usually the, the Lord, the gods of, of, of Egypt would be, would be manipulated. And this Lord is like, no, 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 we're not, we're not doing that game anymore. Have some question like, well, how am I supposed to relate to you then if it's not some kind of bargaining agreement? How do I relate to you from this position of, of you desire to be in covenant relationship with me? How do I relate to God when he's coming at me from this position of approval, coming at me from this position of saying, you are my treasured possession? As Ephesians would say, you are my son, you are my daughter. I want, I've called you to, to be with me. As, as First Peter would say, you are my, my treasured possession, a holy people. I designed you for this salvation. So you go, man, like, how do I come at a God like that? And the Lord says, hey, I've made a way for that. You're going to sit down with, with my priest, and, and he's learning, and, and you're learning, and, and you're all going to learn together, and we're all just going to sit down at this meal. And we're going to be together, because meals, in the, especially in the ancient Near East, that was, that was, a, that was a means of, of protection, of saying that you were with one another. They didn't have... Um, they didn't have security forces like we have. I mean, the, the family and your society, that was your security. That was who you depended on. And so, yeah, we're, we're going to be together because we depend on, on one another. And then he gets into the sin offering. And so this is, you know, you're doing something, all of a sudden you, you don't realize that you're guilty. Right? I mean, there's, there's so many times throughout, throughout my life it was like, man, I, I used to do this thing. I didn't know that was a bad thing. And then the Holy Spirit works in my life and says, oh, yeah, actually, like, you shouldn't be doing that. And it's like, oh, you're right, I shouldn't. And so when you realize your guilt, as, as Nick read, then there's this need for purification. And, and if, you were a, if you were a priest or, you were a, or the whole community had sinned, 
Because there's those times where we as, as society come to this moment where we go, oh, what, what we have been doing was not good. And we need to stop doing that. We need to repent. We need to, we have missed the mark. And, and we, need to, we need to repent. We need to ask forgiveness. We need to do something different. And so the, the bull was sacrificed because it was, it was pretty significant. It was a big thing. We, you know, bulls are big animals and they're, they're pretty important in that society. And so this was a way of saying, hey, Lord, we recognize that, that we have sinned and that, that it costs life when we sin. And, and so we offer this to you. And then uh, if you were a ruler, uh, so if you were, you know, maybe... A, Modern day translation might be if you're some kind of a leader in the community, then it was a, a male goat, and then if anybody else, female goat, lamb, dove, pigeon, kind of as you had need, the, the fat was burned for God, and then the rest was given to the priests so that they would eat because they, they didn't work outside of the tabernacle. Their job was just to, to focus on, on this and to learn this way of living and learn these laws as best they could so that they explain it to the people uh, that they would understand salvation. And then guilt. And so there was a guilt offering. So if you came into the tabernacle and you misused the holy things, that was a, was a big deal because the Lord said, hey, look, remember, I've called you to be, uh, you know, to be the light to the world around you. I've, called, I've blessed you that you would bless the nations. That was the call given to Abraham back in Genesis. And, he's, and so the Lord said, hey, look, we're not to misuse these holy things. We, have to, we need to recognize that there is something sacred about who you are and what you're doing and what we're, what we're doing together. And so that means you're going to be and act differently. And, and so if you, if you misuse the holy things, you know, there's, a, there's an offering that's to be made for that. And so that was an unblemished, an unblemished ram. The fat was burned, and again, the rest is for priests. And, uh, and so as, as you're going through this, I mean, is anyone still reading this and going, yeah, Mike, like, I, okay, I, I, I guess we kind of like, you know, we sorted some of that out. It doesn't sound as weird, but I still kind of have this image of, you know, maybe like the Rocky movies in my in my head of like back in the butcher shop or kind of peering into the back behind the meat counter. And it's a little bit weird. I want to take a moment and let's just look at, at where where the Lord starts. So look at Leviticus, the start in Leviticus 1, right at the beginning. The Lord called Moses and spoke to him, where? From the tent of meeting. Why is this significant? Well, at the, in, the, in Exodus, he spoke from the mountain. Now he's speaking from the tent. He's moving and he's dwelling among the people. And so you'd think that, like, you know, where would he start? Like, if, if, you, if you think, you know, just kind of culturally where you're at, and depending on what kind of tradition you grew up in, uh, I think what's really significant is where does he start? He starts with these offerings for divine favor and divine presence. He starts, hey, if, if, if you want me to bless you, if you want me to be with you, like these are the things that you, you bring to me. And so he's starting with, with his desire for relationship. He's starting with his desire for like, hey, you recognize your insufficiency. You recognize my sufficiency. Let me flex my muscles and show you how great I am. And then he moves to the sin and to the guilt. I think so often we, we look at the Lord and we think, oh yeah, he's going he's gonna to hit me heavy with the sin and the guilt. And then once I get all my sin and my guilt taken care of, then we'll move on to the blessing. And right here, the Lord says, no, 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 let's, let's start with how are you going to come at me so that I can, I can bless you and that we can be together. Because as we spend more time with the Lord, that's usually when we understand more about our sin and our guilt. And the Lord says, we're going to deal with all of that. 
because I'm going to make a way for reconciliation between you and me. And so he says, yeah, we're going to deal with sin, but I desire fellowship. And then I love the fact that I mean, they're eating meals together, right? So gods in the ancient Near East, I mean, even if you think about it, if you watch like the Hercules movies or, you know, like Disney and stuff like that, like where, where do the gods dwell? Right? They dwell up on a mountain or they dwell up on the clouds. They're always distant. They're always far removed. They create this, this good thing or this bad thing. And then they just leave it and they kind of watch and go, oh, let's see what the, how this experiment plays out. And the Lord you know, starts off talking to them from the mountain. Right? So like they kind of go, okay, I get it. Like God up on the mountain. All of a sudden, the Lord just moves into the neighborhood. The Lord is smack dab in the middle of the cul-de-sac. They're, 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 the way they would camp was arranged in a square and right in the middle, there's the tabernacle. And so Lord says, yeah, we're going we're gonna to get together and, and like, we're going to have a meal. And this is going to be some kind of weird meal where you're going to do things so that, that I do things. I mean, this is, I've done things so that we can do things together. Like, I am making the way so that we can be with one another and that, that, that my glory will be known throughout the world. And if you've spent any time in, in church, especially around Christmas time, we, we sometimes read out of the book of the of the book of John. He was a friend of Jesus's, and, and he writes us uh, John one fourteen. He talks about how the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He made her the Lord tabernacles among us, and that's the picture that we're seeing. So this picture of reconciliation that we sometimes think is just a New Testament idea, what we think is just something that Jesus has done, is deeply rooted in the very foundation of the Scripture, the very foundation of the world. And since the very beginning, God has had this on his mind. But we might look at this and go, man, like that just sounds like that could be a broken system. Like there, There's a way to manipulate that, isn't there? Like isn't that, like, just seems like we could kind of we could do that if we wanted to. Yeah, but it also wakes us up to this idea that, that there isn't a system out there. that We can't just you know, use some sort of system or structure to get us to the Lord that's devoid of the Holy Spirit and the work of Jesus Christ. And so what is it that we need to see in Leviticus? If we were going to look at Leviticus 1-7, through 7, what's the one thing that we need to see? Is that God makes the way for reconciliation to him. God the Father makes the way for reconciliation with him. And why is it important? Well, this helps us to recognize our insufficiency. You know, that the whole, all the tabernacle, every, you know, all that was, all you could see, it was meant to be these visual reminders of, of, of the glory of God and his forgiveness for our sin. And so you'd walk in and you'd see this, I, I can't do this on my own. And there needs to be the, the blood of another, the sacrifice of another life for my life. Otherwise, separation from God will continue. And it wakes us up to this idea that we've been made for wholeness, and that wholeness comes from a source outside of us. We can't just build ourselves up with our bootstraps. It's not about more knowledge. It's not about you know, more friends or a different job or a different relationship or a different possession or a different hobby or you know, different. We always look for these different things. It's, it's, being back in relationship with the one that has created us, the one who said that you are my treasured possession, that you are valuable. Uh, second thing is this, this helps us to see God more clearly. You know, so often we see God, we, we, can, we can see God as, as distant, as removed, and, and Leviticus shows us that God is actively involved in our life and he's actively creating the way back to him. And he's not looking to kill you. 
so often we think, you know, I think people get this picture of, of the Old Testament God, especially when they read about, you know, the blood being splattered all over the place. And they go, man, like, the Lord is trying to kill me. The Lord's out to get me. See, I told you. And that's just not the case. We just don't understand the context. And, and we just, we read a little bit. We get scared and we move on. And we move away. But this is an invitation for the Lord to come near and to be with. And third reason why it's important to understand that God makes the way for reconciliation is that we know that we can't earn it. There's nothing that we can do to, to earn the Lord's favor. And there's nothing that we can do so bad that he says, oh gosh, that's, that's enough. Leave my sight. And so what happens if we don't? What happens if we don't understand that, that God makes the way for reconciliation? Well, we're going to see God as, as vindictive. We're going to see God as, as out to get us. Uh, or we're going to think that we can earn it. Or, or we'll think that there's no hope. You know, maybe you've, you've had that where you're just like, gosh, Lord, like, how are we going to get through this? Like, I just don't see any hope. And we see here that they said, no, I've, I've made a way for you and I've, I've brought some people to help you with that, to help you to understand. I mean, the whole role of the priests, and we'll get into this, into this more in weeks to come, the whole role of the priests was to explain salvation to the people. And so we'll see, we might see there isn't any hope or, or we'll see that there's, we'll think, man, like we'll look for some way to manipulate. We'll think, well, hey, you know, I bought a bunch of beef at Costco before this whole thing went down so I can be a jerk and I'll just offer up a sacrifice. And, and we'll see in weeks to come that this, this does not work. And so what should we do? What should we do as a result of the fact that, that God has made the way for reconciliation? Um, and let's recognize that Jesus is, a, is the sufficient substitute. Jesus came and he lived this life spotless. His purity showed us how to live. He was, this, he was both the priest and the sacrifice. And, this, and he atoned for the sins of the community before we even realized our guilt. He said that I am enough for you and I am enough for the sacrifice. And he invites us to come and to be with him and to share this meal, this, this communion meal with him and to live our life as a result of this. And so what do we do? Well, let's, let's look in the mirror and let's see ourselves as a treasured possession. I know that sometimes, you know, like guys, we can be like, oh, treasured possession, that sounds a little bit, a little bit Hallmark card, that maybe something I'd give to my mom. Um, well, let's just keep in mind that, uh, that the Jesus who, who's behind this is also written about in Revelation, the kind of coming back and taking the chainsaw and cutting the sky open and riding in with legions of angels tattoo on the thigh, that's the one who says that you're the treasured possession. The one that makes William Wallace look like a circus clown, he's the one that looks at you and says, you are important, and I've set you aside, and you're mine, and I'm inviting you to be with me and what we're doing in the redemption and the reconciliation of the world. So if that sounds a little bit soft for you, well, we can have a conversation about that later. Um, and then also, so the second thing we should do, so one, look at yourself in the mirror and see that you're the treasured possession. First Peter 2, 19 says that you are my treasured possession. He says that we've, we've been set apart, consecrated, we're a holy thing, and we're to be a people that shows the world around us the glory of God. We're to be the ones that explain the salvation of the Lord to the world around us. And then, so second part, look at your neighbor and see the significance they have in the Lord. Look around you. Look around in the room today. So when I'm looking here, Kelly, you've been made in the image of God, and you're the Lord's treasured possession. Nick, you've been made in the image of God. You are the Lord's treasured possession. Sean, you've been made in the image of God, and you are the Lord's treasured possession. When we start to do that, what does it look like? How, like, 
what would that do with our life if, if we were able to acknowledge that? How does that make the church, what does that do for us as a community? And, and what kind of impact might we have in the world around us if that was the disposition that we carried toward those we interacted with on a daily basis? Recognizing that the Lord has said, oh yeah, like you, my priests, you as believers, you have been made to help those around you understand their salvation. I know some of us are going like, hey, look, I, I'm pretty new at this. I don't really understand like how this goes. A friend of mine was telling me about it. Uh, he went to go listen to his friend's pastor one day. And uh, his friend's pastor had been, a, had been a believer for six days. And so he had this kind of radical conversion, six days. And, uh, and this guy that was mentoring him came up to him and he says, hey, uh, there's this guy who just came a believer last night and you should go disciple him. Dude's like, like really? Like, six days, bro. Like, I... I, don't, I, like, I know Genesis is in the beginning, and that's about it. That's all I got. And he says, okay, well, just teach what you got. Bring that to the table. You're six days further along. Start discipleship. Because there's something that we see in this where it, it you know, this, this idea that, uh, you know, when we look at the meals and the offerings that are given and how we, we, we bring the sacrifice and the priests are able to eat and we're able to eat and then, and then there's this aroma that goes out. It's almost as though the cure to the brokenness within us has something to do with our looking toward the healing of those around us. And so what does it look like for us to, to bring and to know the salvation and become good at explaining the salvation of the Lord to those around us? All of that brokenness within us might have something to do with the healing. Uh, it might be solved through the, the, the healing of those around us. Um, so let's take up God's invitation to be different. Not just physically different, not just the way that we dress and what we do and what we don't do, but just but morally righteous and to, to strive toward knowing the Lord more deeply. We talked about last week, uh, you know, I brought up this image of, of this, uh, you know, growing up there was, there was the pool and if you could if you, you were allowed to go in the shallow end of the pool and you had this little token and you, everybody could go in the shallow end of the pool. And then if you, if you took a test and you got a little bit further, uh, you got some, you know, it was marking you go a little bit deeper into the pool and you get down to that drop-off spot. And, and so let's be the people that continue to go deeper in the Lord and continue to explore further out and venture into that kind of, I mean, I remember the first time, like I'm pretty tall now, but I wasn't always this tall. And there's that point where you drop off the edge and there's nothing below you and, and, and you've got to remember what you've been taught and kind of venture out. And, and that's how you could get out to the diving board. So let's remember that as we go out and to, to try to be deeper and, to, and to, to venture out further into what the Lord is calling us to do. So not just recognize, oh, you know, this, I, don't, I don't do these things. We always have the list, right? It's like, well, I don't, I don't swear. I try to be nice to people and, uh, you know, I don't go to the bars too much. I'm, I'm a good Christian. And the Lord's like, man... The Lord's inviting us to come be with him and to share a meal and to share life and be a part of, of, of what he's doing in the world around us so much more, so much deeper than just, oh, I, you know, try to do a couple things that are relatively good for me. So as we think about this and, and as we ponder this throughout the week and as we gather in our groups, I understand that the, it sounds like the post didn't quite make it um, up online, but here's some, the questions for consideration are posted in the comment section above, and, and so just want to think about these things throughout the week in light of, of what we've talked about here today. So where do you stand before the Lord? Are you that guy six days in just sorting it out? Are you the person one day in? Are you still kicking around the tires of the faith? Or I mean, have you been with this for a long time? 
where do you stand before the Lord? And as Leviticus 4.27 would, would kind of wake up, wake up within us, you know, do we realize our guilt? Do we understand our sin? And then, and then how do you respond to it? Do we run from the Lord out of fear? Do we move close, knowing that he's the one who has provided the way for reconciliation? And how does this guilt, how does it form the way that we look at the Lord? And do we see the way out that he's offering us? Uh, if you are a believer, if you have been walking with the Lord, do you remember what it was like when you first understood the weight of your sin? And do you remember that feeling of, of grace offered by the Lord? And we also see that in Leviticus, the Lord offers pretty specific instructions with, with how we worship um, and, so, and, and how we're supposed to explain the salvation of the world uh, or the salvation that, his salvation to the world around us. What are some of the specific ways that you attempt to bring this understanding to the people? We'll read in, in weeks coming about the, the responsibility of the priests. And, and we remember that, that we've been called to be that kingdom of priests. Not a kingdom with, but a kingdom of priests. And we're to be those priests. And we're to be ones who, who help explain the salvation, of the, uh, the salvation that God is offering to the world around us. And so who are some specific people? What are some specific instances when you can do that? And, and how are you becoming better at explaining this? Because this isn't a call just for, just for those pastors, just for those who get up and play or those who get up and speak. This is a call for all of us. Some of us are going to be better at others, and we all have uh, you know, responsibility based on that. But, but the Lord doesn't, doesn't put any of us on the sideline for that. The Lord's inviting us to be part of that and to explain the salvation that he's offering to the world around us. And uh, so when we hear God's voice, we remember, we remind, and we rejoice. And so let's remember that God makes the way for reconciliation. Not a way, but the way. And let's remind those around us that you are a treasured possession. That all of this is based on the fact that you are a treasured possession. And that this is, this is where we should, we should be coming at this from. And then let's rejoice that Jesus is our sufficient sacrifice. That Jesus is the one who has made the way and that without him and without our, our life placed in his hands that all of this is lost and we're hopeless. So we'll pray for us and Sean will come up and play some tunes and, and we'll close out. So Lord, we thank you for your sacrifice, for your way to make reconciliation with us. That you uh, have, have drawn near to us, that we would draw near to you. And we recognize our sin and our guilt, and we pray that you would, you would speak to us more about this. And Lord, we thank you that, that you also seek to, to show us your divine favor and offer us your divine presence. In the midst of our confusion about what to do and how to live and, and who to worship and how to do this, we see that the God of the Bible, we see that Yahweh makes the way for reconciliation. And, and this informs about who we are, that we are his treasured possession. We have been called to explain and to show the salvation of the world, or the, the salvation that he offers to the world around us. And, and we praise God that it is Jesus who has done this, and he's left us his spirit to, to go out and to demonstrate this. And so this week, as you go out, know that you go out as one sent. That you don't have to offer a bull or a goat or a pigeon or your Rice Krispie treats for this. That, that Jesus is sufficient for you. And so may that inform the way that you approach the Lord and the way that you approach the world 
around you and may you go out as people who reflect the light and the love of God in a world that is so desperately looking to be healed. Have a great week. Remember to, uh, oh yeah, if you want to usher or help us clean, write that in the comments below or uh, direct message us and we'll get a hold of you. Go in peace.